Cool. So, yeah, I figured we'd just talk about the outpost. Well, we'll do a catch-up, status check, whatever, and then uh, talk about the outpost and then, you know, give our signalier, armchair, quarterback review. everyone and welcome to another episode of the lost lt podcast i'm joined by uh nelson how you doing man good cannot complain oh we'll find ways um <laughs> so still doing what we can to stay consistent um feel like this has been pretty helpful um you know i'm still working on outlets for the particular episodes but um you know last week we kind of caught in caught up and checked in with uh captain fred and um Eventually, we'll have the three of us on. Um, that could be dangerous, though. But um, thought that this week's topic was going to be just kind of talking about the outpost. I mean, um, I don't really think much has changed. Um, I'm in the middle of changing command inventory, and good lord, that can be a whole another episode. But that's boring. Um, but just real quick, I mean, you know, what have you been up to for the past two weeks? Uh, just busy, busy. Um, I just rented out my rental property, so it's a mad dash to finish that up after a probably $60,000 renovation we did on it, which was a little bit crazy, but working literally through the night, a couple nights in a row. So that was a blast, but now it's all done. So back onto Alpha Gear Company and Company Command and Monday through Friday job and all that fun stuff. Yeah, I want to get to the outpost, but real quick. So when I, uh, you know, after after I got uh, awarded, after I got the position, you know, I, I talked to, one of my former commanders and I always wondered how this man found time to do half the stuff that he did. And just listening to you right now, um, during that quick recap, you know, you're a father, um, you're a commander, you are working on the border mission. You're trying to manage two properties and also kick off alpha gear co. So what, uh, without getting, you know, too into the weeds, you know, what, what do you do for time management? How do you, how do you make this happen, man? I just stopped sleeping. I found that was the easiest way to oh, uh, yeah. create more time. <laughs> Who needs sleep? <laughs> um, yeah, it, uh, it catches up sometimes. But yeah, like I said, working on that house, I literally stayed up through the night. I think uh, in a, over a two-day time span, I had a total of five hours of sleep. Um, so it's not what I would recommend because that does end up wearing on you, obviously. But um, part of it is having an awesome spouse who is willing to pick up the slack at home mm. um, and just kind of learning to to deal with that time so my normal kind of routine is you know work the monday through friday job come home do family time for a couple hours and then when i was working on the house i'd go over there from about six till midnight and then midnight till six get some sleep and start the day over again um it's not too bad once you kind of get used to it it's not too crazy but um it does get a little bit a little bit hectic and then luckily i try not to do too many things at one time that doesn't always work out. Uh, so now, can like I said the, my main focus was on the house, but now that I'm back to Alpha Gear Company, it's you know, kind of managing that time and even doing like writing up a Instagram post before I go to bed, and then you know when I wake up, hit send. That way, it's at a better, uh, op- more optimal time for posting and that kind of stuff. So just trying to cheat the clock as much as possible, even though it's not really possible. Yeah. Do you use? Um like any planners or any like apps or schedules or you just kind of, you, you know what you need to do that day 
and you just do the best you can. I mean, obviously, you know, something happens with your kids, your family, that, that takes priority. That That's kind of a no brainer. But, uh, you know, how, how do you juggle, like, how do you decide today after work, I'm going to work on, on this today or do you use yeah, anything, I, I guess is, is the question I'm kind of getting at. Um, well, I rock the, the field notes book with me. I have to write stuff down or whether it's, you know, in an actual physical book or in my phone, um, that way I can keep a running list. It's really easy to forget, you know, quote unquote smaller things. Like if I'm running to home Depot, I absolutely have a list to make sure I don't miss anything. There, it's really easy to, to waste a whole bunch of time by not grabbing everything you need and having to make a second trip. Um, setting alarms on my phone for kind of regular occurrences, stuff that happens every day or, or at least Monday through Friday. Right. Um, and then setting everything on outlook that I possibly can for work. So it just kind of depends on what it is. Um, but I, I still have to, even those routine things that you would think are no brainers, like, Oh, post on Instagram or for the business or, um, you know, respond to emails or whatever that some of that stuff's pretty easy and no brainer, but, even some of that gets lost in the wayside if you don't write it down or at least for me, I know everyone's a little bit different. I, I carry the physical planner, you know, they're your, your green leaders book, if you will, for a lot of stuff for, for work. Um, and then for at home, I just carry a field notes book and, and the phone. So it's a little bit jumbled. I'm actually probably not as organized as I should be, to be honest with you. Um, but I know it is a weak point. So that's something I try to focus on. Yeah. I mean, good, good luck. I mean, just again, spouting off some of the things that you do, um, and like, I keep feeling like we had to justify the point of this podcast, but like, you know, we're, we're, we're average Joe's, um, well, not so average. Most people, you know, get up, go to work, come home and crack open a beer and watch TV. And that, that's about it. Um, but as guardsmen, you know, we've already decided to tack on that extra curricular activity, but then we, we tend to go further with, um, you know, this podcast and some of our private ventures and, in addition to that, you know, we, we, we do put a lot on our plates that, um, you know, we're not seals. We're not Jocko Willink by any means of the imagination, but, um, I know that most people I know in the guard have something else going on in addition to work, in addition to their, their current duties. And so just curious, um, cause again, I'm, I'm kind of reevaluating, you know, how I structure my day. And, um, I used to use, um, this planner that, that former commander I mentioned, um, recommended a couple of years ago, uh, cause I'd asked him like, you know, I hey, sir, you, you do a lot of crap. You make me feel like I'm a lazy piece of crap. So what, uh, how, how do you do it? And it was this Niantic planner, which is very meticulous. Um, it, it, it's so into the weeds that you can get too lost trying to plan every minute, um, aspect of your day, of your week, of your month. But, um, I realized when I do utilize it, even if it's, you know, half ass or 75%, um, I'm able to, to retain a lot of stuff and, and, and better, you know, spread out the workload. So that way, um, you know, the other podcast is, is scheduled. All my do outs are, are taken care of and I'm just kind of getting to the habit. But for me, I don't know if this is uh, the same with you. Um, yeah, it, it's cool to set notes, um, or reminders, alarms, but, um, you know, a planner is useless unless you actually have the discipline to, to review it every night. And that's where I'm currently struggling. Um, uh, when you, when you get something, you know, Imagine you jot it down. Um, do you set times to like review your notes for that day or you just kind of, you know, go, go by the seat of your pants? Uh, I am a little bit more seat of my pants. I know I'm going to refer back to that planner 10 times throughout the day anyway. Right. Um, just because I know how, how short I can, like how short my memory can be with a million different things going on. 
um, especially just kind of where we're at it, at work right now. There's, it, I never get through something without someone coming and ask me a question about the next thing. Um, so I, I, every list that I have is a checklist or turns into one. Um, that way I will re- usually review that at the beginning of the day um, and make sure, one, it gives me kind of that motivation as I check off five things I did the day before. Um, but it also reminds me, hey, what did I miss yesterday that I, that I had planned on getting done? Right. Uh, it's honestly, it's probably a good idea to do it at the beginning and end of the day. But I find that uh, I'm one of those people I'm like, oh, I can do it one more thing, one more thing, one more thing. So it's I, today actually was a good example. I was getting ready to head out of work and I realized that our, our board, our whiteboard that we update everyone's out processing on was not updated yet. I knew we had some stuff going on tomorrow morning. So I was like, okay, well, I'll just do this real quick. And 15 minutes later, I was like, okay, I'm leaving now. So it's, it's a double edged sword because you want to get stuff done. But at the same time, you got to like set that time management. I, I need to be able to set this down and move on to the next thing, which in that case was my family. So I unfortunately tend to shortchange my family a lot of times, which is something I'm really trying not to do. Yeah. Cause I mean, there's burnout. There's, you know, you mentioned, um, your spouse is very, very supportive, very awesome. Uh, so that helps, but you don't want to you know, take advantage of that. You don't want to like leave her hanging either. Um, cause you know, she's a busy person as well. So it's, it's that work-life balance where yeah, I have no excuse. Uh, you know, I've got just me, myself and I, and my diabetic or post-diabetic cat. But, um, I mean, heck, even I'm having a hard time, uh, staying focused. Um, but it's, and that's why it's kind of cool to, to be able to, you know, pick your brain sometimes. Um, even if, you know, anybody takes anything out of this, um, uh, just for personal reasons, uh, so there's always somebody that has it worse than you. And so you're like, well, they got this much going on. Like, what are their secrets? Um, it's also kind of good to know that they also not struggled for the sake of, haha, take that sucker, but also just it makes you feel more human. And that's kind of what I initially said with this podcast. Like, we wanted this to be something for everybody. Like, yeah, it's it's pretty awesome listening to Jocko and, you know, all these, like, freaking hard-charging legends, but uh, that's not... 99% of the rest of us, um, not, not trying to shortchange our accomplishments by any means, but sometimes you just want to hear it from somebody that's been in your shoes. And I started doing some YouTube searches. Um, there's this guy named, um, the part-time commander, uh, did some, a series of videos, um, five or six years ago. And he's got a lot of good information and you're like, ah, this guy is more like me. Um, definitely want to shoot to the Jocko level, but this is a good in between. So, um, bit of a tangent there and like i said we'll probably revisit time management i mean everybody's got their 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 practices um just kind of wanted to touch up on that since that seemed like a really good topic um before we move on um what what keeps you motivated because a couple months ago um right before we had at i was like on dude i was just like just hitting every little milestone that i wanted for myself um you know i took a a was it seven seven to 10 days. Um, I resurrected an e-commerce site that I had played with a couple of years ago and took it from, you know, resurrecting it to running Facebook ads to getting my first sale. And I was like, Oh, that's pretty cool. I approved the concept. Now all I just got to do is, you know, refine it. And, um, I was feeling good. Like I was actually not wanting to go to bed. I was waking up early and excited and then AT happened. And I feel like I still to this day trying to recover that energy. But, uh, but you, you've been, going pretty damn hard on uh alpha gear co um what's keeping you motivated man um i think every time i see some sort of outcome so with working on that house it was like okay 
we got flooring in today. You know, what's the next thing we're going to paint? And it looks like a whole different room now. We got the kitchen all wrapped up. Like, oh, man, that looks amazing. And just every one of those accomplishments. So I try to, it doesn't always work out, but I try to um, nail down some sort of attainable goal that can be done in a relatively short period of time just to keep that motivation up because it's really hard when you literally have a house torn down to the studs and you're like, okay, I have a list of this, 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 oh God, that's a thousand things long. It's really hard to keep motivation then, but it's like, okay, if I focus on, and I'm really bad about jumping from one thing to the other, um, which is, it can be helpful in some ways, but a lot of times it just leaves me scatterbrained. So I, I pick one thing and say, okay, I need to knock this out. I'm not going to do anything else until I finish this up. And then that way you can at least say, hey, I got it done. I'm going to move on to the next thing now. Um, and I'm like you, I'm, I'm a night owl. So it's very easy for me to accidentally, if you will, step until three o'clock in the morning working on something. But oh, I have to remind myself, God. like, you are going to suffer hardcore for this tomorrow. When you're, you know, having trouble getting up and it, I don't want to be late for work. It, it happens sometimes. Obviously, I work with you, you know this. I'd, I'd be lying if I said it never happened. But um, it's especially being in a leadership role, you can't show up late and and look like a turd in front of your guys when you're trying to say, hey, you need to be on time and you need to be in the right place, whatever. Um, so just the hardest part is probably raining myself in on that part and not get too wrapped up in it. But yeah, the long answer to a short question was uh, just attainable goals so I can knock one thing out and move on to the next and, and say, hey, I can't. But it's, it's that same logic as I just checked off a list on the, uh, an item on the list. So the more of those check boxes you hit, the, the more motivating it is to go forward. And then I know I already kind of went on a tangent there, but the other part is is guys like you where we can, you know, partially talk shit, but partially keep each other accountable. Like, hey, you said you're going to do this. Did you do it? And then we just ride the other person. It goes both ways. I've done it to you and you've done it to me. Um, but it, it definitely helps the motivation. And then you don't want to be that guy that, you know, out of the group of two or three or four or five, however many people you're you're keeping accountable with, you want to be that one person that, that doesn't follow through. So that helps too. Yeah. And, you know, hopefully I'll pull my head out of my ass and, and get going and get back to where I used to be. Uh, part of what, uh, just thinking about killed that motivation, um, was we're not playing dodgeball anymore. So sports aren't happening. And that's, that's a huge, um, feedback loop. I don't know if that's the right word, but like, you know, bust out the product and then you see money coming in, but like, oh, fantastic. This is fuel to the fire. And I know that that's, um, just the way it is right now. Uh, for me, it's just, there's not much to work off of or to feed off of. So, you know, obviously I've been able to keep the podcast going, uh, for the e-commerce stuff, you know, I've been a little bit sidetracked with, um, you know, this new position, getting ready to, um, get our guys mobilized and deployed. And then recently, you know, I've been on the house hunt myself because I'm just kind of tired of renting and that sucked out a lot of my, a lot of my soul. But, uh, I feel like once I get established again, I'll, I'll, I'll go back to where I was and, you know, this is one of those cool things that we have where, you know, sometimes I'm on, you're off, you're on, I'm off. Um, when we're both on, you know, maybe something cool will happen. Um, but I, I've, I've confidence that, you know, I'll get there and I'm still far from the average Joe that's going to wake up, go to work, come home and, and call it a day. I'm still working on other stuff too. So that's kind of like my, uh, my uh, re redemption right there. But, um, kind of wanted to, um, segue into, um, the Outpost, which was a movie that we both saw uh, Saturday evening after a couple beers. Speaking of, you know, coming home and and having having some alcohol, and uh, my God, man, that movie! I, I heard a lot about it. Um, I, I've 
I think I was watching like, you know, military vets react to these movies, whatever. And the guys that were, I guess, um, consulting the, the direction of this movie, um, were, were part of that skit. And so when they said, Oh yeah, we're working on a project called the outpost, I was actually pretty excited for it, but this is back in like June. So I've been waiting for this thing to come out. And then when I found out from one of my friends who's in the guard as well, that it, that it was out and I should check it out, I did. And I was just like, man, I, I thought I knew what I was getting myself into, but at the same time, um, I clearly didn't. But uh, what was your, your, your first few takeaways from watching this thing? Um, I had a glass or two of whiskey while watching it. So uh, I, luckily my family was not home because my wife is not a big war movie fan. Right. I uh, just a little bit too close to home for even, obviously I haven't deployed, but it's just, makes certain things too real um but like a lot of other uh war movies this was i, I thought it was really good to start off with that but like a lot of really uh, other war movies it gives you a really different view being in the military now because i know even watching movies like saving private ryan i never had the same perspective until i went back and watched it just a, a couple months ago and being in command and watching it from that perspective from tom hanks perspective was really trippy so watching this movie was like that's it's just really interesting and you know people recognize brotherhood and all that kind of stuff but seeing it from a situation like that was pretty from their point of view was pretty cool and just the vastly different personalities and the terrible physical position they were in and all that kind of stuff it was it was really good and there was a lot of moving parts to it if you if you want to pick it apart so yeah and you know we're looking at this thing as battle-hardened signal officers, you know, with one Air Force deployment <laughs> under my belt. So, first of all, yeah, what the hell do we know? But um, you mentioned, you know, it's it's different from watching um, Saving Private Ryan in that this was only, what, 10, 11 years ago? Um, so there's a lot of stuff that we can still relate to, at least from what we've experienced through OCS and training and, um, you know, we're a little closer to this than we would be say world war two vietnam um you know we were soldiers once you know the, those movies um and this is where you know i obviously want to preface like yes we we are aware that we are not freaking infantry and we're not brilliant tacticians but like one thing that really just kind of resonated with me was just the situations that these guys were in like there all of this this entire movie to me feels like it just could have been avoided by not putting a what do they say at the end like a in an obviously indefensible base like mm -hmm. and, and i knew about cop keating um you know before i think we kind of kind of breezed over it during bullock but um when you see it, you're like are, are you fucking kidding me like how how did uh how did this happen what's the strategic value to this why do we have soldiers um that are just i the open like this like I mean, I mean that ridge that they had to, to go up against and it just, it didn't make any sense to me at all. And, um, you know, my, my biggest fear, uh, and I make the joke that I'm going to make captain that I'm, that I'm out is because I, I don't want to get so far removed from the soldiers that I'm with that I make dumb choices like this that impact people in a, in a horribly negative way. Um, captain Fred kind of make a good point last episode about, about my attitude towards that kind of change my mind a little bit, but for the most part, like, it's just one of those, like, how, how the hell did this happen? I mean, I don't know if you have any comments on the location and, you know, wh why, yeah. why are they there? <laughs> like, what, what did that accomplish? I, I can't even, yeah, I can't even begin to imagine what the strategic mindset was for this, but these guys were essentially the fish in the bottom of the barrel. Yep. And it was just, it, 
it was so easy to attack them and they got attacked constantly. Obviously that, that final attack was the, the kind of nail in the coffin, if you will. Um, but just looking at it, they, they make the comment, right? Obviously they're trying to make a point, but right when they're flying in, like what the hell aren't we supposed to be up there in order to win, not down here. Yeah. Um, but there's just, it, to go back for just a second, you mentioned Vietnam and world war two and that kind of stuff. And I think one thing that this put in perspective for me as well is, we have a lot of guys that are our age that join when they're 18 and immediately to deployed um, to different places in the Middle East. And it also kind of like, I know this in the back of my head, but it kind of rewoke that, um, reawakened that, that sense of, Hey, some of the guys we serve with on a, on a daily basis, the, the and a bunch of other people, um, person, by the way, for everyone who's listening, it has no idea what I'm talking about, but yeah, I'm going to believe that name out, so don't worry. <laughs> All right. Perfect. Um, but the people that we work with on a regular basis that have been deployed two, three, multiple, uh, you know, multiple times, and like, man, I don't think about that often. But guys that we work with have been in situations like this uh, within the past couple of decades, and we forget about that because they come back and, and are as normal as possible. Um, but yeah, from a strategic standpoint, no idea what they were thinking. I would like to think that there was some grand plan that went into that process but i i couldn't identify it for you if my life depended on it yeah and again it's hindsight's 2020 especially us not being there and, and not really having much to go off of other than you know common sense which we all know um doesn't exist but in the military sometimes it doesn't feel like it but um i mean even even the the captain keating uh which i guess the cop was named after after he passed away why have why move the mtv like i didn't understand the need for that, especially when the mechanic had said, you know, it, it risked or killed several people to bring it up there. You know, why not airlift it? Um, if the base that was requesting it needed it that much, or maybe it was because they, if they, they didn't want to risk, you know, bringing in, um, helos because they'd get shot at, or maybe they couldn't fit, but like an LMTV cost a life. Like I just, how did, what was what was the thought process behind that? Like, I don't know if you had anything to say about that one, but just from the get go, you could tell these guys were not only sitting ducks, but they were just under dumbass leadership. So, yeah. So the I'm not sure what happened exactly with them moving the the truck, but he, I know it was his choice to drive it because, like any commander, any officer that gets you know kind of out of the the fun stuff, they want to do stuff occasionally. He even said, "I think you guys want to have all the fun" or something like that, or you guys get to have all the fun, but. Um, so I think that was his choice, but the, the location of getting it from or the movement of getting it from one location to another, I kind of missed that part why it was happening. I didn't know if they were delivering something or delivering the truck itself, but, um, yeah, the, and they alluded to it multiple times showing the tires right on the edge. So you kind of knew something was going to happen. I didn't know the story personally. Um, so I, I had, like I said, I could figure out that something was going to happen, but I didn't know the fact that they went through multiple commanders relatively quickly and all that kind of stuff. So. It's yeah. one of those things like, oh, no, something bad's going to happen. Oh, no, something bad's going to happen. Okay, there it is. And there's a bad thing that happened. Yeah, and it's, um, I don't know, man. Like, right, I would like to think that the, the stuff we go through, like when we plan our training, you know, we have to go through these draws. We have to, like, you know, conduct all these, you know, risk mitigation, you know, th I almost want to say, like, thought experience experiments. But we have to think about, like, okay, is, is the outcome like 
is it worth it in the end? And, you know, we're, we're planning training. So like the only time we ever do anything remotely dangerous, I feel is night drivers training, um, and maybe hitting the range. So we're not, we're not moving, you know, heavy ass vehicles down these, uh, terrible roads, but somebody should have thought that through, I feel like. And again, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. but you know, the commander, Captain Keating to his credit, you know, probably wanted to assume the risk himself. Like he said, he wanted to lead by example, have some fun. And, um, you know, he, he kind of took that, but what I was getting from the rest of that movie was just like, oh man, this is just going to be one bad call after the other. And, um, it sucks because, you know, he had that relationship established with the villagers. Um, he was given the title of, I think honored one. Um, they really liked him and it seemed like, okay, how did this go so bad that they're going to get attacked? Cause obviously we know that's what's coming. And, um, you know, based off the movie, so I don't know what details were left out, but the second commander seemed like he was, um, heading towards the right track with that third one. Um, Broward, that was, what'd you think of him? He, if I didn't catch it right away, I could tell there's something off about him. He's kind of a, a dick to be honest, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Um, but I could tell something was going to be a little bit weird with him. And then the whole, you know, piss bottles, like not wanting to leave his area, not ever going outside. And I didn't catch on right away that he was, unfortunately he earned the nickname of Broward the Coward. Yeah. Um, but I think I actually texted you during, during the movie and said, man, I'd rather be killed in action than be relieved. And that's probably, you know, easier said than done, but it's one of those things like that's to be removed after two guys before you died being there. It's that's gotta be not just an ego blow, but it says a lot about someone's leadership. If, if they're willing to say, Hey, you know, we're, we're lacking bodies here and we're going to remove you because you're dangerous or, or whatever the case is. Yeah. And the fact that his, his own enlisted troops were like, this guy's terrible. We need to get him out of here and, and giving him nicknames like that. Um, I do have to give credit. I can't think of his name off the top of my head. Um, but the, the Lieutenant that was there that still, uh, chewed out, um, what's his name? Ty, I think is. Uh, Ty Carter, yeah, he ended first, up chewing him out when when he came up. Yeah, the uh, first lieutenant Bunderman. Yep. Um, I had to give him credit because that's a tough position to be in. He obviously working with the guy knew that he was that he that that commander was off, but he still set that stage of hey, you don't talk bad about it. if I hear you you know hear that nickname one more time you're screwed from you or anybody else and and he kind of laid the law down even though he knew you know what i mean so it's one of those things like even if in a parenting example if i yell at one of my kids because they're doing something bad and my four-year-old goes to my wife like oh daddy's mean which has happened before she's like well you weren't listening that's why you got in trouble so it's kind of sticking together even if you don't 100 percent agree with what's going on and and his job at that point uh the lt's job at that point would have been to go back to and talk to the commander not knock his guys out but just try to address that in some way Again, easier said than done, but he held that line of one. It was cool for him to be available to talk to, and that you know his his troops were comfortable enough to talk to him. Um, but also that he was able to stick with that. Hey, you don't disrespect your commander. That's not what you're here for. Type thing. Yeah, no, that was. I thought that was pretty cool of him too, because um, that's that's just something you don't do. Um, you know, your commander, for better or for worse, is your commander. So you gotta you gotta back him. Um, I don't know what that looks like, you know, if, if Bunderman had the opportunity to talk to him, 
in private and that's when he questions them, but you're just never supposed to do that. And like, and even, you know, with your NCOs, like you, you never want to, at least from what I can tell, like, you know, you don't want to chew them out. You don't want to, you don't want to challenge them in front of the soldiers. Um, you want to hold that line, uh, that, that chain of command. And I thought that Lieutenant was badass. Like that, I can imagine it's crazy enough, you know, when, when your commander or mine would say, all right, you know, Damon, you're in charge. You're like, Oh crap. I'm, I'm the only adult in the room. But like to do that in the most, I think the most famous battle in Afghanistan and that kid, um, I couldn't even tell you what I was doing when I was, was probably like 22, 23 years old. And I couldn't even tell you what my most stressful moment has a 22, 23 year old was. And I definitely, uh, I got choked up a lot during this uh, movie, as you know, um, the beer consumption did not help, but when he was, um, you know, talking to the, the new commander that was taking over from the, the QRF, um, he starts to break down, you know, I was like, sir, I know this isn't the right time. And I was like, dude, this fucking poor kid, dude. And like, he just went through probably one of the most stressful things life could ever throw at you. And he, he, he led. And, uh, when the captain's like, Hey, you know, he took command LT. Like that was, that was such a good scene. Um, like kudos to that guy, man. I, I don't even know what that's. I, I couldn't even hold a candle up to that guy, but um, I thought, you know, that's one of the LTs that you aspire to be like, you know, just squared away. Um, even though he's getting waterboarded, you know, still so close to the soldiers that he's, you know, playing along with them. But uh, when she hit the fan, he was there, you know, and he wasn't perfect. He was obviously very nervous, but he still kept his composure. Um, one of the things I want to talk about was, you know, influencers and, um, Sergeant Rowe, um, being in my opinion, the guy that just got shit done. Um, it was good to have both him and the LT on board. Cause why would you piss off your best soldier that, that I saw? Um, I don't know if you got any comments on Sergeant Rowe. Yeah, he definitely seemed like one of those guys that was kind of the glue to the group. And funny part about him is he's Clint Eastwood's son, which I didn't realize until I was looking at IMDb earlier. Yeah. Uh, and Sergeant Rowe's first name is Clint. So I thought that was kind of funny, but. Yeah, he definitely seemed like one of the guys that was kind of keeping everyone together. And, and, and obviously he made it towards that. Not to ruin it for anyone who hasn't seen it, but go see it if you haven't. Um, he was one that made that push like, hey, no, we're not going to fall back. We're, we're pushing forward and we're going to take back our, our outpost. Um, so that was pretty cool. And, and obviously you got guys to follow him. And everyone kind of independently was having their own situations going on at that same time. But um, it, at least for the people he was in, involved with, he was kind of a motivating factor saying, Hey, no, we're, we're pushing forward. We're not falling back. Yeah. I liked so uh, when he was basically, you know, at first he's just telling Lieutenant Bunnerman, like, Hey, I'm, we got to go back and, and get the front gate. Cause we, we need to secure that. And, you know, LT's thinking, oh, oh crap, that's like a, it's a death sentence. There's no way you can do it. But then he asked him like, can you, can you do this? And he's like, let me do this, sir. And he just needed that reassurance, like, all right, man, like, are you sure this is what you want to do? And then um, I would imagine Captain Brower would be like, nah, man, um, don't do it. And then who knows what would happen to that base. But, uh, you know, when you're when your subject matter experts are telling you with all that conviction that they that they can handle something like you just have to give them that trust. And that was one thing that it frustrated me to no end with Broward was uh, it was like maybe the third or fourth time that they were taking fire and uh, so like, can you can you positively can you positively ID the target? Like he's like motherfucker, they're shooting at us right now. And then to to Sergeant Rose's credit, you know, he even played along and asked the 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 gunner like, "Hey, are they shooting at us?" And he's like, "Yes." Like obviously they fucking are. 
I forgot what they, what, what he said. He's like, Oh, they weren't, they weren't, you know, partying with us or I forgot what he said. Um, you know, in the AAR, um, in the talk afterwards, but like, dude, come on. Like how, how, how dumb do you have to be? Like, I just, I, it just blew my mind, man. Like just nonstop, just what the fucks until the firefight actually happened. I, I don't think I blinked uh, the entire time, but, um, going back to the influencer type. So one of the craziest things that took me a while to wrap my head around was, um, when I was in AIT or for the air force, it was tech school. We had, um, what was called the airman leader program. And it was basically an opportunity to kind of just, you know, get one little bullet point. Um, it's basically like being a lackey, like, like all the, all the freaking thank me for my service guys did it. You basically were pretty much like a senior. Um, you wore a fancy little rope around your shoulder and you're basically a douchebag that, um, had a little bit of power, but you're pretty much like student council. Um, it was looking back, I'm like, I'm, I'm a freaking tool for, for doing that. But, uh, we had one of the little airman leaders meetings and, um, we we're talking about, you know, the issues for that week. <clears throat> and this one guy said, um, you know, we, we need to realize that we're not the leaders. We, we need to realize that there are actual leaders within the, you know, the squad, the squadron within our ranks that, um, influence the, the airmen. Um, I just cannot wrap my head around that because, and this is, this goes to show like why I wasn't ready to be an officer back then. Cause I had to learn how to follow first. Um, I was like, but, but we are, cause we have the rope, you know, we have the all powerful rope and the backing of the, uh, I, I don't, they weren't called, um, TIs anymore, training instructors, but they're basically, um, the part of the, part of the cadre. So, you know, at best we can tell them people we're just telltales basically. And so I was like, no, but we had the power. Um, and I didn't understand that until a little bit later on, once I realized, you know, specialist so-and-so has a good command presence. So, you know, yes, he may, he or she may get their, their orders from their staff sergeant or their tech sergeant, but you know, it's because he's moving that these other three people are, are following along too. Uh, am I making sense at all? Like, do you, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, for sure. There, I definitely have guys that have a much bigger influence. It, it goes both ways. Unfortunately, I have the guys that really motivate people or people that really motivate other people. And then you have the ones that are cancerous. Yep. So they have just as much influence both ways. I, I have one soldier who actually just, uh, his last drill was this past weekend and he's been unmotivated for probably about the last year plus that he's been with us. Um, and there were literally conversations a couple different times during this drill where he was trying to talk to other guys that, that are kind of on the fence that have been with the, the company for a while and, and you can tell or they haven't promoted just because there hasn't been an opportunity for him to and things like that. And they're on the fence of whether they want to stay in or not. And he's over there like, hey, man, get out. The Army sucks. You don't want to be here. All because, honestly, he just wasn't a very motivated soldier to start with, never has been, and, and had a hard time meeting the standards, um, which I don't like to crap on anyone. I'm not trying to call him out. But when you get someone that's already kind of lower 50%, if you will, influencing other people, whether it's because they're friends or good leaders or whatever the case is that they all have some sort of influence. So it's just finding the ones that have that good influence and not exploiting it, but getting them to realize, Hey, you guys, you have this, this power, if you will, to make a positive change. Like, so mentoring them so they can mentor others really, I guess is the short way to say that. Yeah. Don't, don't know if like influence type or, or impact, type but that's essentially what it is and you know 
like you said, and that, that I'm kind of looking at that issue right now with my company. There's, there's obviously some pretty solid NCOs and some pretty not cool ones. There's, you know, what have you, but, um, there, there's definitely some influencer types where if we can get their buy-in, if we can get them to set the standard or set the example, then the, the rest will follow. And one of the things I'm working on is, you know, how do you, how do you speak to them? How do you, you know, tell them like, yeah, you may just be, you know, a PFC or a specialist, but people look to you. Um, you know, I need you on board and that's, that's going to be something I'm going to be working on, you know, over, over the next couple of months to, to get that buy-in and, and, you know, hopefully cater to whatever it is that keeps them motivated, um, and disciplined because, you know, that's, that's just one of the ways I feel you can effectively lead versus, you know, having to, to rely on, um, I think I went over the, the various types of power with, uh, with Captain Fred and, you know, there's like authoritative power, um, you know, but we can only do so much like paperwork, maybe smoking at best. But at the end of the day, right now, if a soldier doesn't want to do something, we really physically can't make them do it. Um, and that, that sucks, but you know, we're not in the old school days where we can just death by firing squad. So we can't have like that power of fear in them. But, um, you know, if, if, at the end of the day, like you got to get them motivated to do stuff. Uh, otherwise it's just going to be an uphill battle and it's going to infect the rest of the company. So you got to look in, in other ways to motivate them. But, um, it's kind of looking, um, at, uh, back to the movie. Um, I wanted to go back real quick, um, because there was, there is a, a couple of, I guess, factoids that we can discuss, um, going back to Captain Keating. So he, he actually passed away, um, as a first lieutenant, like you were saying, um, earlier, not in 2009, 2006. Um, he did die though, um, driving the Elm TV. Um, and he knew it was too heavy for the road, but he volunteered, um, choosing to risk, risk himself versus, um, the lives of the men serving underneath him. So, you know, they wanted to honor him. They gave him the name of the, they nickname or they named the, uh, the outpost, uh, in his honor. And I think that's when he got, um, how do you say it posthumously, uh, awarded mm -hmm. captain, it looks like. Um, okay. And that, that makes sense. Cause I was kind of confused cause the movie showed him as a captain, but from what I had read other places, it had mentioned first lieutenant. So I was like, mm, I have a feeling it was a posthumous thing, but I wasn't sure. Yeah. And, um, so the reason why I wanted to dig this up real quick is, you know, obviously, you know, Hollywood is going to take some liberties. Um, they just want to condense the timeline for this one. Um, and kind of set the stage for what was going on. And, um, Jake Tapper, I guess, wrote the book, which, uh, I thought was, was interesting. So I didn't want to check it out now. Um, pull some, some info or, or some lessons out of it. But, um, I don't, I don't know why, but I felt like this was a pretty accurate movie in terms of like, you know, you know, like, cause Hollywood can make a lot of dumb, crappy military theme movies where it's just like, oh, yeah, right. Especially, you know, as people that have experienced the military, even with our limited uh, capacity, we can call bullshit. But, um, did you feel like this is a pretty accurate portrayal? I mean, we kind of basically touched on it earlier, but, uh, uh, it's really hard to tell cause they mess with stuff so much, but the fact that they had a couple of the people that were actually in that, in that battle, uh, were there as technical experts. Um, leads me to believe that at least they tried to keep it accurate or hopefully at least those important parts were. Yeah, I um, I think what helped me accept this as accurate is, was the, um, the, the language, like how they just did such freaking typical dumb 
I almost want to say infantry shit because we have friends and you just know that good God, these guys are the, I don't want to say the worst of the worst, but like when they were hugging each other, like, you know, bare shirted saying, I love you. And just, just, just the, the, the fuck fuck games, I guess, or like playing grab ass with each other. And the, like the language that they spoke to each other, like, uh, I, I thought that was pretty accurate. Like, I, I feel like they didn't worry about being PC and that, I thought that was really cool. Like that. Oh, that... not, not even remotely. Yeah. Um, and... <clears throat> the cool part about that too, is they hit it from both sides. Cause it was, there was that like kind of real life uh, extensive use of uh, certain slurs that we would not say normally in the workplace. Um, but also the, it was in the beginning of the movie um, when Someone's, it was, uh, I keep wanting to call him Ty. I keep forgetting his last name, but um, Ty Carter, when uh, Specialist Carter, when he got chewed out and it reverted back to, you better be at the position of parade rest when you're talking to me and, and whatever. So kind of, yes, they, it's a really close group of guys. They're calling each other names constantly and giving each other crap constantly. But it was like, hey, you weren't where you're supposed to be so you're in trouble. You weren't doing what you're supposed to be doing, so you're in trouble. But it was all reverting back to that rank structure. So kind of that friends when when appropriate and, hey, we're going to pull this structure back into place and, and show you what's up when, when necessary as well. So, I mean, obviously they, as I'm kind of reading through the the notes here, um, it's actually historyvershollywood.com if you wanted to, to, to take a look later on. Um, there's definitely a lot of liberties, again, that this movie took. I think for the most part, you know, it, it I would imagine I'd, I'd venture to say it portrays a fairly accurate or as accurate as you can be portrayal, you know, consolidated to two hours and um, definitely don't want to try to shred apart. I feel like that's maybe something for infantry guys to do. But um, once you go into like the takeaways, you know, like what, what do we as, you know, off a signal lieutenants, what do we take away from something like this? Like the chances of us seeing a firefight is, is very low. Um, I would, I would, I would imagine, I would hope, um, but still lessons that can be learned. Um, for me, it was, uh, you know, Broward the coward. Um, and I feel okay saying that cause that was, the name is fictional. Um, not so much the, the character, but, um, you gotta be out there with your guys. I mean, you've talked about like how you'll, you'll go on your walks, you know, when we're doing exercises, you'll, you'll engage your soldiers, you'll talk to them, you'll be a presence. I feel like that's one of them. Um, and, and you can't disrespect your NCOs. Like that is one thing that, um, I, I don't feel like it's been beaten into me. I just, I get it. Like you have a hotshot influencer type, like Sergeant Rowe out there who's on your side, just do what you can to back him up. You know, that, that, that's like, it should be a no brainer. And when I'm listening to these YouTube videos about, you know, the, the relationship between, officers and NCOs, platoon sergeants, platoon leaders, uh, XO and commander and, and first sergeant, et cetera. Um, to me, it's a no brainer to you. I, I, I think it's fair to say it's a no brainer as well. Right. And do you think that just comes with our age or do you think, um, some really awesome tack officer, you know, hit their mark with us? Like I'm, I, again, I'm probably a combination, you, honestly, because we've both seen it where the maturity level, I, you know this, I can be extremely immature and, and be right there at the same level of inappropriate joke stuff as these guys were. But um, in serious situations, I am pretty easy to switch back over to being a mature adult. But I think that has a lot to do with it is knowing that 
knowing when you don't know something and knowing when someone else probably has an answer that can assist you or can help you guys as a team make a good call um, and just not being arrogant enough to to say hey I, I have all the answers you better listen to me and move on it's just not realistic so um, yeah it's a no-brainer for me you know I want to go um, speaking of no-brainers again you know Monday morning quarterback signal officers telling infantry guys what to do the um, the translator uh, that was one thing that frustrated me to no end was just how they were not taking this guy seriously. Um, when he came running into the, the talk, I think it was like during their, their, their night shift or whatever, like one of the guys was eating ramen. Um, he was saying the village was pissed there. The Taliban are coming and he gave a history lesson. He said, you know, the British tried to, to invade Afghanistan. They failed. The Russians tried to do it. They failed. Um, you know, Afghanistan's known as the emperor, the empire breaker, or breaker of empires. Um, I would imagine if if a local who has been with you, who has translated, um, you know, all of these, these relationships uh, with you, is telling you, "Hey, man, uh, some bad shit's about to come your way." I would I would hope to think that I would listen to that if I was in a situation like that. Going back to listening to the subject matter experts, mm-hmm. um, do you have any comments on that guy? Because I kind of glossed over him. Yeah. Um- I can kind of see both sides to that. He was making a point like, Hey, this is going to happen. You know, beware type thing. Um, on the flip side of it, especially with them being in country for as long as they were and, and dealing with so many firefights and stuff like that and hearing him that same message all the time. Yeah. They didn't take him seriously. So I can kind of see both sides of it. I would hope that I obviously as a you know, person watching the movie that I would have, you know, taken it more seriously, but it's one of those things where, being, I don't want to call it hypervigilant, but always being on guard is just taxing. So I would imagine after him saying, hey, you know, what this, oh, you said that twice last week or whatever, three times last week, it probably gets kind of old. But, you know, having guys on guard all night and stuff like that, day shift, night shift, and, and someone always doing something, people get tired, people get complacent. So it happens, and especially when you're in a high-stress environment where it's, okay, I'm hearing the same thing all the time, and yeah, that's cool. I'll, I'll keep it in mind. Have a nice day. Yeah. They definitely did dismiss it, um, but I can't say that after a certain, you know, after a long period of time of hearing the same thing all the time, I would hope that I wouldn't dismiss it, but I could definitely see how it would happen. Yeah, that's a good point because, you know, boy, he cried wolf, and they even said, like, dude, get some new material, man. He been saying that, like, every freaking day, and then go figure, you know, the 58th time he says it that month, uh, holy shit they're here um so i get that i mean that makes sense but you know again this is you know a fresh pair of eyes you know um looking in on this I'm like oh yeah well we know already what's going to happen so maybe if i had not seen this movie had no idea what the context was i, I might have probably said the same thing so that is that is a valid point man like you, you're attacked constantly you hear the same thing over and over again whatever man like say something new what else is new I just now made this this connection though. So I have a two year old, right? And he is in the potty training phase, right? He's got a pretty good handle on it now. But at one point, he would tell us he had to go potty every five minutes. And my wife and I were like, oh, come on. And every time we go, he might squeeze like a drop out or he'd get on there and he'd let one rip and say, I pooped. And he'd be like, that's not what that means. But guaranteed, every single time we ignored it he would pee his pants or he would crap on the floor. Yep. So it's kind of that same mentality. Like, yes, this is gets super annoying and, and it's a lot of times it's a false alarm, but 
that one time you don't take it serious, that's going to be the time you're going to get crap on your living room floor or get shot at like fish in a barrel. Obviously completely different. No, it's pretty much the same thing. Same I mean, pretty, pretty, uh, yeah, pretty much the same, you know, <laughs> you got these guys that are fighting for their lives and, you know, you got to worry about, uh, potential shit on the floor, but, uh, yeah, I mean, hopefully you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> And I try trying to take this back again into a you know junior officer, signal lieutenant level. It's you know you gotta you're gonna get constant feedback from your soldiers, from your NCOs, from you know your platoon leaders. Um, I can't think of for the life of me of like you know a scenario, scenario, scenario situation where somebody's crying wolf. But you know you get you gotta you're taking a lot of information. As uh, I'm speaking as the XO, I, I'm assuming it's the same as the commander, if not more. Um, you just got to kind of weigh every every possible outcome and kind of understand the motivation behind what people are saying. But um, I feel like that's kind of just one of those things where it's like, you know, hopefully common sense wins and you don't find yourself in a situation where, you know, lives are lost or damage is lost because of negligence. And I would just, re- for me, the biggest takeaway was just common sense, man. Like, common sense needs to have more of a prevalence in uh in the military and at least how i choose to lead and that kind of encompasses listening to your influencers empowering them listening to your subject matter experts and just not doing dumb shit because somebody above you told you to question it and then think about is this really worth the outcome is this a battle i can fight and actually win versus uh you know doing the doing it because you were ordered to like going back to LMTV, like that's, I mean, you know, we, we did the, the video episode in NTC. Um, I don't know how you could have prevented the, um, that rollover, uh, where that one soldier was killed, but, um, yeah, that is more likely to happen versus getting into a firefight in Afghanistan. So yeah, we do still have some level of risk that we got to worry about. Um, that, that to me is more real than getting to a firefight and you got to ask yourself like, Hey, is this training really worth it? Or can we just say no? I don't feel good about this and, and not do it. So that, yeah, that's I may have mentioned it. Away. I, I may have mentioned it before when we talked it like a year ago. Um, but there was one of the tech officer uh, tech NCOs when we were in phase three of OCS made the comment like we're not here to screw with you anymore. We're here to see what you have. You guys are gonna screw with yourselves. And I think that's probably one of the biggest uh, safety factors is people either screwing with each other or not taking care of themselves and not getting enough rest when they should. Cause even like when we were at NTC, we we're working crazy hours, but people's shifts would be over and I'd go in there again, this is signal. So I go back into our, you know, our talk tent and they're playing world of Warcraft or Dungeons and Dragons, some kind of nerd game. But it was after we had worked a 14 hour day and I'm like, go to bed, get some rest. We're all tired. It's been hot all day. We've been, you know, in, in ready state because of enemy attackers and whatever all day. And you're going to, now we finally have downtime and you're going to screw around playing card games. And, and you had guys that didn't even play that before that were learning about it. So, oh, that's an interesting. I'm like, what? Go to bed, <laughs> get some rest, eat some food, and sleep. And so that's really where a lot of the safety stuff comes from, at least is people is not doing what they're supposed to be doing yeah. when they're supposed to be doing it. And it's like, seems like common sense, but. I guess everyone needs some sort of release at the end of a long day. And for some, for me, that was peeling off a soaked uniform and, and going to sleep and getting some rest before I knew I was going to get woken up again for something else. So 
you just give me an idea for for our next episode is discussing the quality of today's soldiers and you said you know again just speaking to the signal aspect like Oh, man, I got stories about Clash of Clans being in the way of training, and you mentioned World of Warcraft and some of the weird stuff people pull out. It's like we're we're running ragged today, and and you should be going to bed because you got to be up in six five hours. Now all of a sudden you got the energy to play Magic the Gathering. Are, are you shitting me? Yeah, exactly. And it's oh. super common all the time. People will complain, oh, we get out of here so late on a drill weekend or whatever. I'm like, you guys do realize I saw you screwing on your phones 27 times today. Oh, God, dude, I don't even get when you, on the phones. When you could be doing anything else to get out faster. But, oh, well, we know we're going to get out late anyway. So it's like that is the dumbest logic ever. But, okay, sounds good. Yeah. Before I get upset, let's end this on a, on a high note. So uh, let's see. Because, <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. Um, again, obviously, you know, a little emotional watching this movie. Um, I wondered if maybe the passing of my grandma a couple weeks ago bled into this. Um, you know, I, I, I do know someone that was killed in Afghanistan and it just makes me just sad thinking that it, it could have been avoided. Um, with him in particular, I, I, I've heard what I've heard, um, it's just one of those things where like as as a as a leader as somebody um uh, with the with the responsibility of 156 some odd people um i i just hope i never find myself in a situation where i, I have to answer for costing someone their their life or their limbs because of uh not doing my due diligence and not not thinking in terms of common sense and and doing everything I can to avoid something like that from happening. So, I mean, that, that's my take when I said, and no, like leave this on a, on a, on a positive note, but, uh, as a non, as a pogue, I guess, uh, movies like these are still valuable. You still learn a lot from them and, uh, still have a good influence and impact and good takeaway, uh, to apply into the real world. Um, I guess that's my final thought. How about you before we sign off? Yeah, I, I was going to make a joke about being so alpha that I don't cry, but this movie definitely, cry actually i think a couple times just because of the fact that it is so real and especially uh the the final scene i won't ruin it for anyone who hasn't seen it but just uh someone that didn't get along going back to specialist carter someone who rubbed pretty much everyone the wrong way he ended up putting his life on the line like time after time after time in that movie um or not in that movie but in, in real life um and to see him just like emotionally broken at the end of it when he's talking to a therapist if that doesn't get you choked up, I don't know what will. Yeah. And my big thing is between, not to sound like a, a complete cheese ball, but family and country, the two things that will get me choked up every time. And this was no exception. So, and there's a general that I think both of us have heard speak a, a few times and almost always gets choked up when talking about soldiers and sacrifice. And uh, it, it's always kind of a joke with him, like, oh, great, here it comes again. Right when he knows he's about to, to get choked up. But at, to say that you're on, I'm so manly, I don't cry is, is bullshit. So I have no problem admitting it. But there was just so many, the, the brotherhood, the situations, the people looking out for each other, you know, people losing each other, all that kind of stuff that happened throughout this movie, throughout this actual real life battle. Um, it, you, it, if it didn't bother you, I don't know what would. So Yeah, that was and, okay. Yeah, I was going to say one notable thing. This is the first time 
this battle was the first time since Vietnam that there were two living Medal of Honor winners, which is amazing. It's insane. Yeah. Um, positive notes. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> next next episode, we'll uh, maybe we'll bring Captain Fred, and we'll we'll talk about like I don't know how the Avengers equate to uh, you know the the soldier troop leading procedures, or I don't know. We'll we'll pull something a little more. <laughs> The dichotomy of leadership through uh, the uh, the Avengers. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, which ironically, that conversation was like the whole inspiration for doing a podcast to begin with. I was like, man, I feel like I'm getting a lot of gold right now from this uh, psychotic captain. This is great because uh, there is <laughs> there is, and that, that could speak to a different audience. Like, hey, let's watch uh, let's watch the Avengers Battle of Manhattan and uh, or the Battle of New York, whatever it was, and, and dissect that and. I think uh, I think we've caught up enough that we can probably introduce the Fred into uh, our little triad, or we can just talk shit about you know the nerds in our in our company and what we're gonna do about it. But um, either way, yeah, we'll definitely pick a little more lighthearted topic. But uh, I think we'll just uh, end the discussion here. All right, so that was uh, I guess episode what seven of the Lost LT podcast, and again, trying to do our best to stay as consistent as possible, and. Um, by no means that I really plan on discussing The Outpost. Um, as I said uh, in the interview, that was a movie I've wanted to see for a while now. Um, there's a lot of hype around it, and I really want to better understand what the uh, what the soldiers are going through out there, especially those that are involved in combat operations and you know have been, unfortunately been exposed to to danger in the most extreme form. And um, and looking at how to bring this into the junior officer lieutenants um and non um infantry based mos uh i still feel like there's a lot to to glean and take away from this that we can apply to the day-to-day you know average joe type of soldier slash leader because um as i said not everyone's gonna be jocko willink not everyone's gonna be a decorated combat veteran um you don't necessarily have to be to still be a good leader and part of this podcast is just figuring out what makes good leaders and um somehow figure out how to incorporate that into what we do um, ourselves and ideally you as a listener, what you can run away with. So what we'll probably do next episode is actually follow a very similar format. We'll bring on Captain Fred since we're all caught up now with our respective timelines and we'll uh, we'll discuss Saving Private Ryan because um, didn't want to dismiss that movie. Obviously cannot overlook all the lessons that can be learned from World War II or even all the other uh, wars as well. So um, next episode, yeah, the three of us will chat about World War II, Saving Private Ryan, and um, how some of those elements can be incorporated into our leadership today. So hope you enjoy this one. Um, Feedback is welcome per usual, and uh, have a great uh, rest of your week, and we'll see you next time. Closing in three. Uh, if I can figure out how timestamps work, I've only been doing this for three years. Closing in three, two.